what will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And I'm Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the one and only teaching online podcast. Hi, Kelvin. Hey, Tom. Is that true? I doubt it, but that's my claim, and I'm sticking to it. Okay, all right. That's, my story, that's, that's I'm fine. sticking to it. It may be the only TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Yeah, there are other TopCasts, There are other right? TopCasts, and yeah. there's probably other podcasts that are you know, small t, small o, small p, teaching online podcasts, I would imagine. Yeah, there are podcasts that I listen to that occasionally touch on the subject, yes. but I wouldn't say they are dedicated like we are, committed to mm-hmm. teaching online as, we ought as to be much committed. as we are. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right, speaking of committing, I'm committing to this cup of coffee that you poured me earlier. Oh, that's, that's, and that's, that's good. I'm enjoying it. So, oh, Kelvin, what's in the thermos? Well, Tom, today's coffee is a, this is interesting, a Columbia blend. Uh, and it's from Blends, B-L-E-N-D-S, Blends, a coffee boutique. And I appreciate a title with a colon in it, always. Uh, and Blends, a coffee boutique, is in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, it was brought back to me by a friend who was traveling there. And I'll go ahead and give you um, a little disclaimer. Uh, this connection is going to have nothing to do with blended learning. Occasionally, I bring in a blend, and it's you know, and it's it's about blended learning. You, you like, but, you know, I like them on the nose, though. Kevin. I know that's why I'm yeah. giving you this fair warning up front. <laughs> okay. Now, as I understand it, while this coffee, because I said it's a Colombia, right? As I understand it, while this coffee is all or mostly from Colombia, it's not technically a single origin. It is it is a blend. That is, the coffee roasters combined various Colombian coffees to achieve the particular flavor profile they were looking for. And uh, I went to the website and I saw these pictures from the cafe, and those pictures further reinforce that patrons in the cafe can choose one of several country of origin blends, not single origins, but country of origin blends, each with its own flavor profile, and then further customize their beverage to achieve the very taste that meets their unique preference. So you said you liked the coffee. How do you feel so far about the connection? Connection, you say. There's a a (laughs) theoretical connection here. Uh, I do like the coffee. I'm enjoying that. Good, Um, good, 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 good. I like Savannah as Uh a city. (laughs) Great, great town. Awesome town. Um, Savannah is the name of our IT person here. She's awesome. She's awesome. You're you're just, you're you're, you're grasping for anything that you could possibly (laughs) like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I do know what we're talking about today. That helps Um, always. That helps. So, um, I don't know, Kelvin, I think you're going to have to take me by the hand on this one. You may not like it, but, you know, and I think this maybe came up in... uh, some context recently. Maybe it was in maybe it was in our top of December year in review episode when we were talking a little bit about blended learning um, with Kelvin Bentley, maybe. But 
Blending sometimes, even in our circles, comes up with just combining multiple elements, right? Just not blended learning, but just combining multiple elements. And I thought um, that's one of the things that's going on at Blends, a coffee boutique. Uh, they blend a variety of different elements together. And we're going to be talking about blending uh, different kinds of elements that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, initially think go together. And then I thought, too, that there's a sense of localness, right? The, the country of origin and serving the unique tastes of the local patrons. And there's an aspect of localness that I think cuts through today's um, episode. And, uh, and beyond that, you know, there's, we're going to, I don't want to name them yet quite yet, but there's like two distinct things that are kind of in our, in our world that we're going to combine together to blend. So I don't know. That's, that's where my head was going. Okay. I get it. I get where your head was going. Yeah, you still yeah. It's not, still not a successful connection for you. I got it. I, yeah, I got you. Sorry, sorry, mm -hmm. but it's okay. You made That's up right. for it with tasty coffee. You know, I hear even Babe Ruth, um, right, and his batting average was still like you know somewhere in the you know three hundreds or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he struck lifetime. out a lot. So yeah. you know, I'm I'm in good company. If they it's can't all, right. all be winners, they can't yeah. all be winners. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Um, so you know, we are. Talk, we are going to talk about, you know, technology and online technology and the liberal arts. Yes, those are combining so, a couple of disparate things. Exactly, exactly. So I get where you're, where you're coming from. And, um, you know, do you, do you want to sort of describe the kind of the, sure. the liberal arts connection a little bit yeah, and how I'll, that plays into today's episode? I'll, 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 be, I'll be happy to do that. So, and maybe this isn't everybody's experience, but maybe it's some of us. Um, sometimes when we think of liberal arts institutions, per se, we tend to think, we tend to focus on colleges that prize the in-person experience on a small, beautiful, residential campus. And bucolic. The, yes, yes, bucolic, yes indeed. You know, you can just sort of hear, you know, the kind of the lovely, you know, uh, classical music floating in the background. And, that's right, on uh, the quad. That's yes. right, exactly. You know, and, it, and it's, and it's got to be, you know, early morning, at that morning light coming through the trees. It's lovely. And, but we also maybe sometimes think of those settings as some that often eschew online or blended or digital teaching and learning, you know, because they prize that in person so much. However, digital learning is certainly alive and well at many liberal arts institutions, and some liberal arts institutions are quite innovative in the way that they position digital learning as part of their mission. That's better than the connection, right? Yeah, yeah, and so that's, I think that's great context because this is an interview episode, and Kelvin, you very recently interviewed our colleague, Dr. Kristen Eshelman, who at the time uh, when you recorded this had, had just recently taken on a new position as Vice President for Library and Information Technology at Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, the Trinity mm -hmm. College there. Um, after many years of, uh, of various roles at Davidson College in, in North Carolina, that's where she was when I first met Kristen. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, she's somebody who's got broad experience in using technology in a liberal arts context mm -hmm. and um, has some, I think, some really interesting things to say about it. So is there is there anything you want to say to set up this particular interview? Uh, I don't think so, um, other than to say I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, 
I may be mistaken, but I think the interview really speaks for itself and stands on its own. I think uh, Dr. Eshelman has wonderful uh, things to say, and I think we I think we let people listen to it. Sounds good. All right. Through the magic of podcast time travel, here's your interview with Dr. Kristen Eshelman. Welcome, Kristen. So good to have you on TopCast today. Thank you for having me. You're quite welcome. Looking, been looking forward to this conversation uh, for a while. Uh, been nice to interact with you from afar and, and good to interact with you now up close and personal. I feel the same way. So not to be weird, because I want to be the guy that makes it weird. So, you know, I, I think about this sometimes that you know, I place people on certain shelves in my brain. Uh, sometimes they're on multiple shelves, but is it okay if I tell you kind of the place that you occupy in my brain, and then maybe I'll ask you for a a reaction to that? It can be a counseling referral if if you prefer. So the place that you occupy in my brain is um, kind of this, sits at this intersection of digital teaching and learning and the liberal arts, which I think is a is a very interesting intersection. I, I, I wonder what your reaction will be to find out that that's the shelf you're sitting on in my brain. Uh, I think that's right. Um, I'm guessing I'm sitting there because of the different roles I've played at Davidson primarily, and now I'm at Trinity College doing something a little bit different, but building on what I did there. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that intersection where I sit, at least, in that intersection is thinking about how digital learning supports the expansion of the liberal arts beyond the select few that we typically educate within these kinds of environments. And so it's really that scale question and access and equity and all the ways in which the technology can help us achieve those things we couldn't do otherwise. And so that's where I've focused a lot of my work mm -hmm. in the last four to five years. Prior to that, it was more in the digital humanities and that mm -hmm. space as it was emerging in that time. So, um, yeah, I think for me, it's really that what is the, the potential for us to scale what is so valuable in a liberal arts education to so many people who need it? I would say all the time, but now more than ever, as we're dealing with a lot more uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I'll, one, good, glad I didn't have you filed away in some place that you're like, I am uncomfortable, please move me in the schema in your brain. <laughs> uh, so that that's good. Um, but I wonder if I might ask you just to kind of expound on that and expand on that a little bit more, like, um, I, I would imagine most in our audience would would be able to articulate some sort of an apologetic uh, defense of the liberal arts, you know, in, 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 in its place in our society and in higher ed uh, specifically. But I wonder if you might make a couple comments about why so valuable are the liberal arts in general and now, and then a little bit more about how do digital technologies and digital learning strategies do the things that you just said with access and, and so forth. Can you just tell us more? Sure. Well, I think why it's always been important is is probably that unstated but understood focus on soft skills. And, mm -hmm. and by that, I mean those 
those skills that we know that we've identified through AAC and you and others and leaders and organizations and companies have said are really what they're looking for in employees that can advance long term. So your ability to collaborate on teams, your ability to communicate, to take complex ideas and really drill down into the right questions to ask. All of that is coming from a liberal arts education. It's a lot harder to measure. And so we talk about it in these terms that are a little bit, I think, vague. And as we get into a, a, a point in time where we're starting to reduce the value of things down to very specific measurable outcomes, it, it becomes questionable, right? That's, mm-hmm. we've always known it's important. We've never been able to measure exactly how much. Um, so I think in general, that's been where we've identified the strengths. I think for the current context, why I think it's so important is that increase in complexity, is the fact that we're we're now overloaded with information uh, because of technology. We have faster uh, cycles of change in our careers. We have lots of things coming at us all the time. How do we make sense of that? That really, I think, to do that very well um, requires some training in multiple frameworks. And a liberal arts graduate has that. They've been trained in a variety of analytical frameworks to think about problems that are highly complex. And there's just a lot more complexity coming at us all the time. So that's the way I would address that in general, long-term, why it's been important and why now it has, I think, a, a, a certain degree of importance that is more critical than it has been in the past. It was just a lot more unpredictability in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, the digital piece, where I think that becomes an important angle in all of this is is really that, I'm going to return back to it, but that need to expand access to it. It's not, we've historically had those environments that develop liberal arts be very high touch, uh, small learning communities. This is mm-hmm. something we know has worked well for centuries, mm-hmm. but it it's not enough, right? Mm-hmm. We know that many more people are going to need these skill sets, these habits of mind, uh, these ways of thinking and being that we do so well in that environment. So it, it really is, the intersection for me really is, how do we look across that four-year model, that model that we know is successful, and begin to disaggregate from that some of the most effective things we do within a four-year institution and recombining them into these more flexible pathways so that others can take advantage of those same outcomes, but not in such a restrictive way. If you can't come and do a four-year residential education, that shouldn't be the only way that you get access to those skill sets. Uh, and, And I think access to the analytical frameworks that surround them. So it's not just those habits of mind, which I think could be developed in other contexts, but really that what we know about those analytical frameworks that makes it so much more useful when you're facing complexity. So it's still that access and equity question for me when I think about how these things intersect. Um, I do think, you know, during COVID, we saw yet another way to think about this for the students that are already in that environment. And now you have new ways for those students to gain experiential skills, you know, to really begin to rethink the model internally as well. So do we have to deliver it the way we've always done it with these semester long, you know, 16 weeks sitting in a classroom? How much can we start to break these barriers of time and space 
that enable our students to take advantage of things that were locked out to them. So you could see where it's, it has an impact both on the traditional model, but also how to get that, the best of that traditional model out to more people. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, you've touched on this a little bit already. Uh, I, I wasn't very, uh, completely sure what the, the right phrase would, would be. Um, and I heard you say soft skills, um, and we talked about workplace. I know that some of your recent work has been more in the workforce and community transformation sphere, you know, kind of the, the, the impact on um, careers uh, through the liberal arts. And I, I wonder if you would just talk a little bit more ab about that tactically, uh, either at Davidson or at Trinity. Yeah, I think it's, it's this uh, interesting discovery that we did thinking about that question, how do we scale what we do to more people and where are we adding value and not duplicating what is already done really well by community colleges, by other training programs, by executive education. And so we spent a lot of time talking with folks in the Charlotte region, leaders primarily. Uh, these are leaders of nonprofits, leaders of companies, people who are making up Charlotte's workforce development uh, leadership team. The reason this is of concern in Charlotte is because Charlotte is ranked dead last in the Chetty study of the top 50 municipalities in the U.S. in terms of economic mobility. So if you're mm -hmm, born poor mm -hmm. in Charlotte, you're more mm -hmm. likely to die poor in Charlotte, and we have the worst outcomes for those individuals, which is mm -hmm. shocking in a city that prosperous and that booming. And so the communities really rallied around this problem space and looking at higher ed to help. Like what is, mm -hmm. What can we do to help in that space? Mm -hmm. So the way we thought about it in a liberal arts setting was to say, okay, um, we don't really want to do executive education. We know that what we do at a place like Davidson is kind of similar, right? We're bringing in students that are probably going to succeed regardless, and we're making them even better. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not the problem space that's, that's sitting in Charlotte. Uh, we aren't really equipped to do that zero to higher space. And we don't need to anyway, because others are doing that really well. But as we talked to a lot of business leaders, we learned that after five years of some of this work happening in the area, uh, it, particularly in the zero to higher space, you started to see a bifurcation around social mobility or economic mobility for those who either had college degrees or had some competency-based experience around uh, leadership skills and management, they were moving up the chain faster and others were getting stuck. And there were no programs out there, short form, flexible online programs that could help someone who's a high performer become a manager and eventually become a leader. And so looking across that long-term trajectory, which is really what we do at a liberal arts institution is we train you for life and you might not see it as much in the first destination job, but by year seven and 10, that's where they really start to take off. There's something in that middle space between executive ed and zero to hire where we could play a role in impacting a lot of individuals' lives mm. to achieve that social mobility. So that's where we landed. Now that was just as I was leaving and heading to Trinity. So mm -hmm. uh, that good work is continuing at Davidson. Uh, mm -hmm. But at Trinity, you know, we're looking in the Hartford region. Uh, and so I wanna 
make a point or just underscore that this is a regional impact play and mm -hmm. something that I really hope colleges think about in terms of scale. We, mm -hmm. We're so accustomed mm -hmm. to thinking about the one-to-many. We have mm -hmm. to do the one great online course that hits millions mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the right way to think about scale. I think mm -hmm. the, dis the distribution of colleges in regions that need this kind of training and support is we're there. We're in those communities. We just need to develop those programs and work closely with employer partners and K-12 and others to figure out how we have that impact in the regions that, that we serve. Um, so uh, I don't know if that answered your question, Kelvin, but that's, that's where we've been, that's where I've been working on the, the Davidson and now heading into Trinity, regional impact, but in that same space. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Uh, when speaking with you before about some of those ideas and listening to you speak elsewhere, um, I was fascinated by that. Right, just uh, just the the transformational, the vision of transformation and um, uh, regional or metropolitan. You know, the serving the community. I think is is such a, an important role for for higher education and liberal arts education. And and you know, sometimes we hear that the public at large doesn't necessarily see the relevance of higher education and shame on us if if, if we have you know exactly. rendered ourselves irrelevant that's so right I think, and and i think liberal arts colleges have typically seen themselves as a retreat yes and we just right. can't we shouldn't do that anymore that's we right. can't that's make right. those bold claims about transformation and continue to operate in that way that's right so kudos to you and your colleagues at uh, both of these institutions for really showing the rest of us the way uh, to, or at least a way to be relevant and, and serving of, of the community and making a difference. Um, and, and I appreciate the, you know, the Chetty reference. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by um, his social mobility work just because I keep thinking, you know, if we don't have some kind of impact in higher ed on social mobility, well, what good are we? <laughs> Right. <laughs> so uh, when we when we air this um, this interview in our episode, I'll, I'll make sure we we throw some uh, Chetty references in the show notes for for <laughs> our listeners who may not be as familiar. Uh, as we begin to wrap up, I wonder. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. So you know, our audience is for the most part. I mean, it's kind of tripartite: instructional designer types, and administrative leader types, and and uh, line faculty types you know, especially online and blended digital learning and, uh, and teaching kind of folks. If you were going to speak to that, that digital learning kind of community from where you are in your intersective space of, of, of digital and liberal arts, if, if you would have us as a community make some kind of change to better integrate um, with the liberal arts, what, what, would you, what recommendations would you make to us as a community? Uh, great question. I might make a process recommendation uh, more so than specific technologies. Uh, by that I mean reorienting our focus of the work around mm -hmm. jobs to be done theory, which you may be familiar with, the Christensen theory. Yep. What I love yep. about that theory is that it forces us to ask that question, what are our students hiring us to do for them? Mm -hmm. And it gets us a little, a little more out of that, that level we tend to focus on, which is how do we do effective pedagogy? All that is important. Mm. But 
But if the good work that we're doing isn't still leading to the outcomes that they mm-hmm. care about, and we mm-hmm. haven't made that connection, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like we'll, we'll be seen as strategic partners, right? So I think mm-hmm. some guidance from uh, cabinet level or you know senior leadership mm-hmm. to say, we recognize this is important and bringing those digital learning teams into these conversations about institutional strategy starts to move the needle a little bit more. Like what is, Mm -hmm. what is the journey of that student from prospect to alum, you know, in the case of a four-year residential institution, if it's an adult learner, what is that journey and how do we understand it deeply enough to design the experiences that are going to work for them? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that we, we take that approach initially. I think with backward design, we tend to look at the learning outcomes for the sake of that discipline or content. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's great, but I think there's one step more that we need to do there. What an excellent recommendation. Thank you for that uh, very much. And thanks for joining us today. It's been just a just a delight to, to get to speak with you on mic, and I'm, I'm sure our listeners are gonna appreciate that as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to talk to you. So Kelvin, that was your interview with Dr. Kristen Eshelman. Yeah, she's great, right? Yeah, she's great. Yeah. So are there any any particular themes or things she said that popped out to you that you think we should we should highlight? I mean, so much good stuff, right? I really just appreciate just just the way she thinks, right? And um, I, you know, I guess if there's one overall through line through the whole thing, it's this this whole idea of scaling access to the benefits of liberal arts uh, via the the tools and techniques of, of digital learning. And I thought that was just, you know, and, and it hits those aspirational high points that we talk about from time to time about, you know, what are we here for, you know, transforming yeah. lives, social mobility, those kind of things. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, it's so often we hear about um, online learning in the context of these mega universities or Mm -hmm. for profits or Mm -hmm. even like a large public like we are. But there's there are interesting things being done in smaller contexts that we should all be paying attention to. And, you know, and I think, you know, Kristen's probably on the forefront of some of that work. Yeah, totally agree with that. And and I appreciated her little... um, I thought uh, very succinct and salient kind of summary of the value personally and societally of a liberal arts education, right? She used phrases like habits of mind and, mm-hmm. and uh, multiple uh, frameworks, you know, for, for thinking, ways of thinking and being, she said, uh, this whole idea of some people don't like the term, but she used the, the term soft skills and the connection to employability and career progression, critical thinking, all those, all those kinds of things as the, kind of the, 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 the center of the bullseye. Yeah, and there was, there was some allusion to some of the stuff that we care a lot about here at UCF, which has to do with social mobility. It's, yes. it's really kind of core to a lot of the stuff that, that we are motivated by. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, reference to, to Raj Chetty's mm-hmm. work, The Economist, who's now at Harvard. Um, and I, I appreciated that context um, mm-hmm. to inform it. It's not, we're not talking about sort of the elite Swarthmore kind of you know, student experience, and not mm-hmm. to say that they shouldn't be taught the best way that they can too, but this is this is much broader than that. Yeah, and we will put, as I promised, we'll put some um, links to 
some of Chetty and his colleagues' work in the show notes. I've already uh, made a note of the uh, study that Kristen specifically mentioned, which was a 2014 study um, that really looked at the likelihood of people who were born in the poorest uh, communities in the United States ending their life in the top uh, yeah. moving quartiles or quintiles. Yes, yeah. exactly. And uh, those fifty municipality things. So we, you know, definitely will have that in there. And as she said, at that point, you know, Charlotte was was um, was at the bottom of those fifty. And and so good on Charlotte though for yeah. as a community taking that on as marching orders. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that story. It was it really showed the the kind of the power of place and of mm-hmm. institutions partnering with their local yeah, yeah. community and yeah, I thought that was a great a great comment. Yeah, we've um I said kind of at the top of the episode uh this this term that we have used in the past around here some uh sometimes connected with blended learning localness, right? And that's a it's a concept. I don't know that either of us use that uh, term in the interview, but it, that's what I was thinking about, that localness, like having a, having a, having a presence, having an impact, um, serving the community. Our former longtime uh, president here at UCF used to talk about, you know, the Metropolitan Research University is one that serves the community, and I always thought that was uh, inspiring. Yeah, we talk about lifting lives and livelihoods. Mm-hmm. It sort of fits into that all together. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Um, I, I really, I really appreciated that. So thanks to you and thanks to Kristen for taking the time to 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 do that for us. Um, yeah, absolutely. Do you want to take a shot at land in the plane, or do you want me to? Uh, why don't you take? If you take a shot at land in the plane, I, I will slip in a plug before we sign off. Sounds good. All right, so. Um, I, if anything, I think that that interview has has reinforced that um, digital learning and the liberal arts uh, can can make a really effective blend. Mm-hmm. And one example of this is the extending of the benefits of a liberal arts education through innovative digital learning techniques in ways that empower far more individuals than could otherwise be possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. Well said. I like it. Okay, quick plug uh, before before they turn off the lights here. So our listener survey, which is technically still open for submissions, if especially if you're listening kind of in the long tail, you know, well after release, still open for submissions. And we'll put a, a link back in the show notes. We won't repeat it here, but it's there. As we look at that survey, some of the results already are revealing that some listeners are just unaware of the subscription TopCast Insider newsletter, which is available for free via email to anyone. How much did you say? Free, Tom, free. free. Wow. Yeah, free dollars, free, free dollars, wow. F-R-E-E. That's so a deal. It, it is, you know, I mean, hey, sometimes you get what you pay for, but in this case, you get more than that because you're paying nothing and you get something. So each newsletter contains a direct link to the current episode because maybe you're not a, I'm, I'm, I'm living on my podcast feed. You want to be reminded. So it comes into your email box, but it also gives you right there at your fingertips, all the show note resource links, the read more about it resource links, but also gives you exclusive bonus content that we don't just put out there on the Topcast website. And 
Those are our first go-to people for interaction opportunities, our newsletter recipients. So you can register now to get all of this in your email inbox. If you go to this URL, jot it down now, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Topcast Insider. All lowercase, no spaces, bit.ly slash Topcast Insider. Go, go register and get good stuff in your inbox. I am a subscriber. Me too. Yeah. Cool. So do that. You get lots of nice bonuses, sometimes some extra media and other kinds of things that, uh, that only the secret, you know, members get. That's right. Cool. All right, Kelvin. Well, thank you for the coffee. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Kristen Eshelman for joining us. Mm-hmm. Until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya. Mm-hmm.